0: All right, guys, welcome back to the Establish the Past podcast. I'm your host, Blood Bubble. As always, my co-host, Dylan Reagan. We're back here to look at the action from Week 7 in the NFL. Uh, we're recording this on Monday afternoon, so that high-scoring Patriots-Bears game has yet to be played, Dylan. i um, got to assume we're going to have a high-scoring affair there. I say that in all kid- like You know how this works. Like People listen to this after the fact, and they already know the score, but... I'm going to bet that's going to be a lower-scoring game. Um, But we're going to talk about all the other action. Speaking of scoring, Dylan, um, there was some scoring done in a couple of these games this week. And we're going to start with the one that we had as our game of the week, which was the Chiefs and the Niners. Um, Chiefs win this one. Um, If you were a 49ers fantasy defense holder uh, like myself, I hope you benched them this week. uh, Because Chiefs put up 44, win 44-23. Of course, the biggest news is um, not the re-emergence of Juju Smith-Schuster, but uh, it is the trade that sends Christian McCaffrey to the Niners. We saw him out there uh, a little bit in this game, and uh, again, fantasy-wise, if you're a Jeff Wilson fantasy owner like myself, congratulations. Um, he's going to be dropped very soon. Uh, but Christian McCaffrey gets some, gets some action in on this one, but the bigger story was that the Chiefs are still the Chiefs, and, um, you know, uh, we said it's kind of a banged-up Niners defense, and I think it was pretty clear that they just were not going to be able to slow down the Chiefs in this one.
1: No, the Chiefs had all the answers to every question that the Niners presented them. This is back-to-back weeks now. We've seen them kind of struggle, not uh, you know expecting that as much in the Falcons game, but here against the Chiefs early on looked okay, but the game really broke open. Obviously you have, at times, the offense for the Niners still struggling. McCaffrey looked good in the, I think he had 21 snaps or so and had had more carries in the first half. Uh, but overall i mean the chiefs just look like the machine this is probably their most complete performance of the season you know they're coming off a game where they yeah easily could have topped the bills as back and forth affair still impressive that their defense overall is brought to the table in terms of just being at least middle of the road because the offense looks uh, completely fine as we've talked about for most of the season but um, even more so in this one i mean this is uh, looking at um, football outsiders numbers they're putting this up i think is like their seventh highest dvoa performance in the last like 25 years like you have games like the like the bills uh wild card um went over the patriots last year that are ranked ahead of it but it's like a it's with a handful of games of like just playing a premier defense and just making them uh look average even though as you mentioned a lot of guys were out for the niners still and they're they are still going to figure out some issues with their with their secondary and they did a good job of keeping bosa even off um off uh, not able to like really commit to rushing constantly throughout the game with a lot of misdirections a lot of those jet sweeps to Nicole Hardman that had so much success but overall I mean yeah the Chiefs just looked like a a machine and and not really a surprise given with all the teams we've talked about this kind of theme the whole year there's only so many teams that have really stood out above the pack there's a lot of teams we thought were going to be good that are just struggling and I wouldn't say the Niners are necessarily I mean they're three and four right now they've lost to some bad teams I guess you can include them in there even though their defense I believe will bounce back and shouldn't look this bad week to week over the course of the season but it's just more of a more of a clear indication that the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Eagles, in my mind, right now at least, you can count the Cowboys-Giants maybe in there if you want a little bit, but they just seem like they're on a different kind of plane from the rest of the group, and even that mid-tier of teams that we still, you know, over the course of the year could improve and be in contention. We looked at the Niners last year, they were uh, at this kind of similar point at the midpoint of the season before they went on their run and almost made the Super Bowl. So, a lot of time for the Niners and a lot of these teams to improve, but at this point, man, the Chiefs are just a step ahead and it was uh, it was really clear throughout as this game played out, especially in the second half.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um we'll see what happens with the Niners moving forward with Christian McCaffrey there added to the mix. Uh, his old team, we'll get to in a minute. seemed to still be Okay, without him, we'll see how long that lasts uh, as well. Um, all right, to our betting locks. Um, let's start with the Lions and the Cowboys. That was one of the betting locks. Uh, I think that was mine. I went with that. The Cowboys were seven-point favorites. It was a little dicey there for a minute, Dylan, yep. but uh, <laughs> they they found a way to cover this one. Uh, Twenty-four to six, they beat the Lions, who fall to one and five. So much for the Lions uh, being able to, you know, perhaps be better than we thought. They just They're struggling right now, as we know, Um, and you know they turned it over what five times, I think, in this one. Um, Second half, all Cowboys, and uh, you know I think it took a little, a few minutes for them to get going, but once the Cowboys figured it out, Dak had a pretty, I mean, not you know a line that's going to necessarily just jump out at you, but it was pretty efficient day for him. Um, Tony Pollard, another nice day in terms of his uh, rushing attack. Meanwhile, uh, Jared Goff, a couple interceptions and. You know what? Two lost fumbles, and yeah, it just was not, not, not a great game for the Lions overall. Although they had their chances. That fumble uh, at the goal line for Jamal Williams was obviously a huge play and a you know momentum swing there for the Cowboys. But Dak's back, and the Cowboys uh, get back on track here with a win.
1: Yeah, Micah Parsons made an insane play on right before that fumble to keep, I uh, forget what tight end, uh, was about to go on for the lines for a touchdown, mm-hmm. tackled him at the half-yard line. That's why they had to run that play. So, I mean, Micah, as we know, week in week out, has been amazing for Dallas. But I think, to your point on um, this offense, I mean, it, 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 Dak looked fine. Uh, I do think they'll, over the, the next few weeks, they'll probably improve and things will uh, work out a little bit more in the passing game. I thought in the second half this was really about them just bowling the lines up front. They're like, all right, we're not exactly putting up – great drives here against a pretty bad lines defense what do we need to do and they just made it simple and like you mentioned tony pollard and zeke and that offensive line kind of just t- changes the entire tone obviously that fumble maybe it's a little different story if the lines get in the end zone there keep it a bit closer but overall with detroit i mean we looked at these two defenses the last couple games for them against the Patriots and Cowboys and said, "All right, they've you know, yes, they put up some points against the Eagles a Week One. Week One's a little bit of an outlier. What are they going to do against these top end defenses? And they have not passed the test clearly. So it's disappointing for what we've you know, our excitement for the Lions going into the season. Now they're sitting at one and five. Feels very similar to last year. Um, still have I still think they're on the right track in some ways, but they might they might need to figure some things out with the play calling after these two. Maybe it's just the Jerry Goff and a little bit of the Patriots once again having Bill Belichick providing a blueprint to slow him down and uh, how to confuse him and whatnot. But I mean, yeah, the Cowboys, I put them at this point right behind. Like, I mean, obviously, they almost came back in that Eagles game a couple weeks ago. Like, they're this defense is amazing. So if the offense can improve and it has still time to take off with Dak, I they're right there too in the NFC conversation. I think it just played out, even though it wasn't pretty the entire time, to your point. With the betting lock, it just felt like Dallas is in a different space right now with where the defense is, and sure enough, by the end of the game, just another amazing performance for them. They just keep stacking really great games, and I I, I don't know exactly when the rematch with the Eagles is, but I, I figure that defense is going to be ready and not not a, uh, not about to give up as many points early going. Um, and and with Dak in there, you worry a little bit with with Cooper Rush. He played really well, but he did have some pretty bad turnovers in that Eagles game. You you cut those out. And at least with this defense, you don't have to be perfect passing the ball. You can play a kind of a more uh, 80s or old school kind of uh, mentality of just meat and potatoes, football, run the ball, and let your defense control things if you have to punt. Like, don't be worried because, you, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to trust that group and uh, the Cowboys defense right now, probably right there with the, some of the best in the league uh, that I'd want on my fantasy team or just as my actual defense in football.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's going to be a theme here as we go through these uh, next couple games because... About the Cowboys defense and what they've been able to do. Now, Dylan's betting lock was the Patriots, seven and a half against the Bears. So you are either cheering him on right now for his brilliance or you are laughing about the Bears, uh, you know, covering that. We'll see. We'll talk about that on the next episode. But to our upsets of the week, Dylan, and this has officially become a New York-centric podcast because we have been all in on the Giants and Jets recently, it seems. And um, I should have stayed there this time, Dylan, instead of going away from my New York Giants there, but you stayed there. I went with the Giants against the Broncos, which, like we said, by the time this game started, uh, Dylan, I know this was not technically an upset, but we have to go with what we had when we recorded, which the Broncos were a one-point favorite. We both picked the Jets. Uh, I don't think there was any surprise um, there in terms of this. I mean, if you're talking about what the – not only our upset picks, but if you want to talk about our betting lock of the week, like anyone could have looked at this game and you could have set this over under at 30. And I would have said, I'll go all in on the under here (laughs) because winds up being 16 to nine. This is just like, this game was exactly what you thought it would be like in every way. I think, um, you know, it really was like, this was pretty much exactly what you would have expected with Russell Wilson out on a bad offense. um, And then the jets just using their defense, Of course, again, the bigger news, of course, Hall um, out for the season now. That's a huge blow to the Jets uh, because we saw kind of what Brees Hall could do on the rushing attack. But I, I think at least, you know, we've seen some good stuff from Michael Carter, too, in the past, so maybe that's something where he can kind of fill in there. But it's a big loss for this offense that still has yet to really get clicking, but their defense is good enough to obviously win games like this.
1: Yeah, big performance from them. I mean, they, they gave up more yard, about sixty more yards than they actually gained. Um, they forced a big yeah. turnover at one point, but overall, still, yeah, they, like you know, they took care of business against the team. As you mentioned, we've talked about the Broncos' offense, and now you, you have Brett Ripon in there for for Russ, yeah. and you don't expect much. And at times, he looked okay early in the drives, but the Jets' defense really was a story this one. Brees Hall did have that one exhilarating touchdown. Yeah, losing him as much as I've liked Michael Carter coming out, and we talked about him a lot last year. I mean, Brees was just on a different level, um, given what he was, uh, how he was playing. He really started, especially in this game, seeing his emergence, seeing what he can do the last few weeks. Just a really tough blow for a team that at 5-2 and two feels like they're right in the conversation. Um, schedule not going to be easy the whole way, but nonetheless, a team that has to have some confidence. Um, Zach Wilson didn't look perfect again, but this is a Broncos defense that has been really good, and I can't imagine a group that we talked about the whole fan base for the Broncos, how frustrated they are, and how they continue to be frustrated. But I mean, if you're one of these, if you're on this defense, you're like, we are a championship level defense, and we are two and five. So I mean, it's yeah, it's getting it's getting uh, late early there in uh, Denver, and now that you have this game against the Jaguars in London, and if you lose that one, it oh boy, it, I mean. <laughs> there, I, I know Ben Albright, who was a Broncos insider in Denver, mentioned like before. He's like, "There's no way they would think about moving on from Hackett until after the year." But after this past week, he said anything's mm. possible. So mm. I don't know how I wouldn't. I mean, it might be a little quick to pull the plug, but yeah, and I know that he's giving up play calling duties. But I don't know if that those are the only um, only problems that this organization and that, especially on offense has at this moment. So it was a it's a game that if you're Denver, I mean. People were, even before that last drive, fans were leaving. They're they're only down seven, and uh, the crowd was just like, "We're not not, not interested." They've kind of checked out. Uh, they're gonna have to earn that fan base's uh, exactly. love and affection back because they were so excited going to this year, and then now you're you're going to the games against the Jets, where we feel like the Jets are gonna beat you. Like that's that's the reality for the Denver Broncos right now. And sure enough, it played out that way.
0: I I think if they lose to the Jags this week, I think he will be fine. Um, I just don't know. I just think it's going to happen. Like, I, it's crazy to think that eight games in, but I, we said from the start, like, it seemed pretty clear to me that, I mean, think about the two wins the Broncos have this season. <laughs> like, they beat the Texans 16-9. to They beat the Niners 11-10. to Like, I mean, really think about that. Like, it's just crazy. It's very clear this isn't working. And I think if they lose a fifth straight and the Jags are that fifth straight, I think it happens. But there's my prediction we'll save to perhaps our next episode. When we make our picks there. All right, to the other New York team, the Giants, uh, who were underdogs against the Jags. I went against my Giants, uh, Dylan, and uh, as everyone knows, I'm not a Giants fan. I've just been picking them a lot this season. Um, but I said, I don't know. I just think this maybe is that game where they slip up. But here they are, yet again, finding a way to get the victory. So both of us get our upset picks this week. Uh, the Giants go into Jacksonville, get the win there 23 uh, 17, and what do you know? The Giants are six and one, which of all the possible scenarios of which is more shocking, the Broncos being two and five or the Giants being six and one. I still think the Giants being six and one is probably the more surprising of that bunch.
1: Yeah, this Giants team just finds ways to win, to your point. Like, I mean, for the Jaguars, from their point of view, another missed opportunity. They've had a number of these games where they've the offenses look great and they just get to the red zone and uh, things fall apart and they settle for too many field goals, end up having to go on fourth downs and miss those. Same kind of theme here. And they still had a chance there at the end. It did help, obviously, Saquon stepping out to give the Giants and some penalty calls that uh, I know Giants fans felt were pretty favorable to Jacksonville. But they're still one yard away at the end. That's kind of been the nature of this Giants season. They're 6-1, and one, but they just keep pulling rabbits out of the hat. I mean, every single week, I feel like this one it was kind of like after last week, I was like, if they all right, if they win against Denver or against uh, their play Baltimore, it's like I'm, I like, I've got to just pick them most weeks um, because they're, even if I don't necessarily feel like they're the, the best pick, they're going to find a way to win. And I'd also read this is their – they never won in Jacksonville as a franchise, which is kind of nuts, but you think mm-hmm. they've only played there probably four or five times and there was a ton of it was a sea of blue so many giants fans down there and uh they rose to the occasion uh, again uh, D- daniel jones again has not always been perfect throwing the ball they don't i don't believe do they even have a receiver i think i may have seen this stat. they don't have a receiver over 200 something yards total on the season <laughs> in some ridiculous stat um they just keep running the ball again they in this one they rushed for 236 yards saquon looks amazing as long as he stays on the field and daniel jones stays healthy yeah, it might not always be pretty it might not be the exact uh w- way we've usually seen offense operate but it's working to enough and uh, you know they're still well, the full dvo rankings haven't come out yet after this one they're still probably similar to like what we looked at with the titans last year where they're kind of in the middle of the pack despite leading the entire afc um and dvoa I, I imagine the giants will kind of be in that similar spot um i'd say out of the units yeah with more surprising their record than the jets the jets defense we thought might be better and it's probably exceeded expectations but the Giants are just I mean they, they you look at all the stat lines too and it's just everything they've done and it's like this this isn't a six and one you look at if you didn't see the scoring itself with just like the the yards and the turnovers and different things you might think this team is probably more like four and three but here they are in the driver's seat in a NFC that has teams like the, the Packers and Bucks and Niners all sitting at three and four the Rams at three and three I mean they're They're in a great position even if they don't uh, perform at this level throughout the year to at least get in the playoffs i'm not going to say they're going to top the eagles and even cowboys uh, over the course of the year um but i mean they've definitely brought something more to the table and it's got to be really fun for giants fans that you feel like even if maybe daniel jones and right now that there's a lot of hype around him and a lot of belief and i don't blame that fan base for being behind the guy with uh, some of the things he's gone through in the coaching staffs and whatnot over the years but Uh, you just have to feel right, like you have with Brian Dable, you're in a great place moving forward. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing that we've learned with this team that uh, personnel's only going to get better, in my opinion, with the draft picks they have and uh, some of the the young guys they have and how they develop. So even if Daniel Jones maybe this isn't the right time to have that conversation about him as the future franchise quarterback but i still feel just great as if you're a giants fan about where you are as an organization right now and that's crazy to think given we aren't that far off from them just cycling through coaches and all the these years of losing games i mean i think they've already won more games this year than probably any of the last few seasons so it's it's all happiness in giant land
0: you said 191 is the top receiving richie james yeah. has 191 yards receiving now there are seven receivers between 92 yards and 191 yards receiving for this team so if you talk about and if you think the broncos are anti-fantasy um the giants receiving core is anti-fantasy um because you know but that doesn't mean daniel jones isn't dylan and we'll get to him in a minute um yeah. because he's actually been an interesting option fantasy wise uh, spreading it around so all right, so we get our um, our upsets right this week. Now well, let's go into our quick picks, and then we'll talk more about uh, some of that fantasy stuff, stock up, stuff down. Going all the way back to the Thursday night game, uh, the breaking news on that one was that there was a touchdown scored, and uh, it was actually put up some points. <laughs> yes, quite a few touchdowns. So the Cardinals win 42-34 over the Saints. A much more entertaining game the past couple weeks when we had uh, the Broncos, Colts, and Bears, Washington. Uh, this one was a lot more fun. Uh, Andy Dalton... An interesting stat line, four touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, but the bigger story is, again, that the Cardinals able to pick up a couple um, of touchdowns on the defensive side uh, to really kind of separate themselves, um, score 28 points before the half, and uh, from there are able to hold on for that win.
1: Saints made it close late, but uh, like you said, the Cardinals, when they got those two pick sixes, you felt like the game was over. Um, Cardinals still put up a couple touchdowns in the second half. Um, Overall, thought Kyler looked kind of like we talked about going into the game. It just felt like when DeAndre Hopkins is back, that safety net is so important. And sure enough, had quite a few targets uh, for the exact stat line, but nonetheless had a pretty big game in his first game back, and you just felt like the offense was more comfortable. You, you only, they put up as an offense 28 points, obviously, with the two pick sixes. So maybe uh, against the Saints defense, that's pretty solid, a, a defense that has been put given up uh, some more crooked numbers lately, despite early in the season looking p- quite good. Um, it's kind of a, it's just the nature of where the Saints are at this point. Uh, I thought their offensive line looked better in this game, but I don't know if it's more so just the Cardinals defense still has – Some things to be desired. Uh, Just two kind of teams that I don't right now are in that next group, even though the Cardinals are still very much in the thick at three and four. And even you could argue at two and five, the Saints are only a game and a half, I think, behind a wild card spot. But I'm not feeling overly confident in either team, but at least for the Cardinals with DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, this offense still uh, has enough playmakers and maybe if the the defense can be opportunistic like this maybe they will find themselves back in the playoffs uh with a a weaker nfc so i just think a a game that the cardinals both teams you kind of felt like at two and four going into it they needed to win if they wanted to uh ultimately still feel like they got a good shot at the postseason and um i definitely feel a bit better about arizona right now for that than new orleans
0: the streak ended at some point the falcons did not cover um the Bengals get a 35 17 win over the falcons I scored all 17 of their points in the second quarter, which made you think, "All right, they're going to find a way to cover. Didn't happen. Um, All the scoring, pretty much, in this game took place in the first half. Joe Burrow throws for about a million touchdowns. Um, He throws for 481, three touchdowns. I think he had a rushing touchdown in there too, didn't he? Um, Tyler Boyd just went off uh, in the first half. And, yeah, just a a wild, you know, kind of Bengals-like game where they just put up a lot of points in bunches. And, um, obviously, that was the the big story of this game, Falcons offense. Meanwhile, it's time to say it, Dylan. For Kyle Pitts, fantasy owner, it's time to it's time to cut ties. Like there's there's no reason to hang on at this point. It's just it's not happening. As good as he is, uh, it's just not happening in this offense. And um, three catches, nine yards, five targets. Um, and remember, they lost by eighteen here, so they're playing catch up. And he still only had five targets in this offense, and they just this is not a i mean look they've covered we talked about they've kept it close but just think this offense is what it is and there are clear limitations and they just don't have i don't know why i ever kind of thought they'd maybe be able to keep up with the Bengals here just because the two offenses are on different universes i think
1: yeah the Bengals. i mean this game is the kind of game we were you know going into the season all the hype of what they did last year this felt a little more like some of the performances we saw in december and early january from this group and uh you know they spread things back out again, and it worked pretty well. They they have just so, when you have Tyler Boyd as your third receiver, and we talked about this a lot. It just for most teams, it's going to create mismatches. And they did a great job of having, uh, you know, still with they are able to really blend the deep passing game with a quick game that involves, for the most part, Burrow just throwing a ton of passes in under two two and a half seconds or so, uh, getting the ball to these playmakers and letting them do things in the open field. And it, but then taking the shots when they feel like they have the opportunities and that trust between Jamar and him I and mean, Jamar Chase has a couple great uh, plays in this game, but especially that first touchdown he scored on the right pylon that uh, it, it feels like almost an impossible play to make and the, the ball's thrown right in the right spot. He's His ball skills through contact deep down the field are up there with the best guys in the game. I mean, uh, just for the Bengals, had to feel so good because this offense has at times struggled this year, but still at four and three. I mean, they're right, still tied with the Ravens. Yes, they lost that game barely to them earlier this season. But given how some of the things, some of the issues they had early, in the early going, I mean, this is a team that feels probably, again, with a couple field goal losses and weird ways they lost the Steelers week one, they probably feel like there f- could be a five and two, six and one kind of team. Um, and the defense still is solid, as you mentioned, with Atlanta's offense has for a lot of the season looked pretty good. Uh, even thinking about what they just did last week to the to the Niners, but uh, Mario did not his best performance, just overall the Bengals defense caused a lot of havoc, the, the secondary was opportunistic as well, uh, forcing some turnovers and making some big plays and just getting stops in third down, really a big key for them so yeah, the exact kind of win for the Bengals that they wanted going into this one, a perfect scenario now they get the Browns, Panthers Steelers the next few weeks, I mean they feel like they can probably stack some wins here if they just play to their potential.
0: Yep, I think so too. Um, so we'll see how that plays out there for the Bengals. All right, Colts and Titans. Um, Titans win at nineteen to ten. It's a game I thought would have a little more scoring than this, um, but but the reason why I didn't is because of a move the Colts have made today. As we're talking, um, Matt Ryan seemingly aside, he has an injury, but seems like matt ryan is done as the starting quarterback of the colts minus an injury to sam ellinger there uh who is officially going to get to start moving forward i mean dylan that tells me i don't know what that tells me about the colts moving forward they're three and three now of course they have the the, the tie as well but um i just think this is a team that's been way more disappointing than i thought you know i, I think i picked him to win the division didn't i um yeah, and you probably did i just yeah i mean it's just not it's not happening, and the Titans just were the better team in this game, and not as though the Titans looked perfect, but Derrick Henry did his usual, uh, 128 yards on the ground there. But I don't know what the Titans' upside is, but it's clearly higher than the Colts right now.
1: Yeah, kind of we, we talked about this when the Titans started 0-2. They were probably one of the teams we were the least worried about just because of what Mike Vrabel's built and how they just always end up being in the mix, even if they're not a great team. And sure enough, they've reeled off four wins in a row now including a couple over Indianapolis that yeah, they've kind of had their number uh, for a while now. And we talked about Derek Henry looking more like his old self last week that continued in this one. Not a pretty game. Obviously, Tannehill goes out for a little bit comes back in there's some some rough moments for them. But I mean, the defense, I know we were worried about some of the injuries going into the year and they still aren't the, the unit that they had obviously last season. But they look fantastic in this one, forcing Matt Ryan in some bad throws. And, I mean, Matt Ryan's been making those throws against most defenses. So, yeah, for the, from the Colts' point of view, it's just you're kind of there. Um, kind of a tough spot um, with this team at, in terms of where is this organization at. Uh, it's just the, it's the high point, really, of this whole. And I know, obviously, things change quite a bit if Andrew Luck doesn't retire and if injuries mm-hmm. uh to force them out of there but you look at now the this regime and it's like is the high point going to be the philip rivers year in 2020 where they almost beat the bills in the first round it's like
0: mm-hmm.
1: they, they felt like they had a much better team and it's just clear that the defense while solid isn't a dominant group and that was never really what you expected but it's really the offense where the offensive line hasn't been up to the standard that we expected when they became a top five offensive line really over the last few years they're not even close to that right now I still have some good playmakers um, still uh, with Pittman and Paris Campbell getting more into the mix this week and quite a few targets for him. And that target share might be a a regular thing moving forward, but man, it's just, I know that it's not going to be Matt Ryan. Maybe it'll be better with Ellinger, but geez, I I don't really have any expectations for them. Whereas for the Titans, I'm like, at least if they're not, I don't trust them to beat the best teams in the AFC, but in the the middle tier when they're facing uh, and lower teams, like teams in their division, essentially, like, I feel like they're they're probably the favorite right now uh, to take that division back um, once again this year.
0: Well, you speak of not worrying about the Titans, well, it's officially time to worry about one team, and uh, that is the Green Bay Packers, because the Commanders get a 23-21 win uh, in D C over the Packers, who are now three and four, and I. <laughs> I mean, Dylan, this is one that I think we looked at and we were like, you know, Packers got to win this one or else there's going to be some real concern. Well, they've lost three in a row now, and they've lost three in a row to the Giants, the Jets, and the Commanders, which, again, Giants and Jets have been surprising. But to lose this game with the Bills coming up next, which there's another story, um, I think the Packers are already (laughs) double-digit underdogs in Buffalo and their schedule the back half of their schedule is pretty tough so um this was a brutal loss for the packers but uh, give some credit to taylor heineke who seems like he just the guy just steps in and wins sometimes like is this i don't know you throw this guy into these scenarios and he he finds a way brian robinson had a a good game terry mclaurin catches that that touchdown pass um i mean i know all the discussion is going to be about the the packers here but uh, hey give the commanders credit i guess for making the plays and winning it so
1: yeah, love scary Terry. That guy. We've yeah. talked about it. We he's our he's our new Allen Robinson. Yeah. Which not that that's really panned out well for the Rams so far, but <laughs> he's true. the new guy in terms of what would, what could he do with a really top offense and what how valuable a weapon could he be? And yeah, he made that great touchdown catch over Jerry Alexander. Had a great game overall. Um, just yeah, like you said with Heineke, makes some throws and decisions, and they they got really lucky with. I forget what they, they, there was a play that they believed dead that looked like it could have been a fumble six uh, situation. So, I mean, the Packers felt, you know, like that's a big missed opportunity. But um, f- to give Washington credit, despite some of the, the throws where Taylor thinks he can do it, and it's just, I, I love his confidence, <laughs> and it, and it <laughs> yeah. does work out well. Like you said, a, a lot of times he has a puncher's chance. They had a puncher's chance. They could have easily beaten them in the playoffs, uh, the Buccaneers a couple of years ago when they won the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. So, um, he, yeah, it definitely looked better and was more fun than some of these uh, weeks uh, when Carson Wentz has been the signal caller there. But I think this game is as much about the Packers as the – or more so about the Packers, like you mentioned. A lot of the fallout in terms of just their offensive strategy – Uh, some people, depending on any fan you ask, and I know there was uh, someone that was on the Cowboys beat that said they're trying to look up something on Mike McCarthy and just got pulled in the Packers' Twitter of all these people that are really down bad right now (laughs) looking back at the McCarthy days. And we know how that all kind of ended and how stagnant that offense became. But that's kind of what's happening. I mean, this is a fan base that expects (laughs) – uh, a lot of things. They've won 13 games three years in a row. Now they, uh, and in the first series years of the McFleur era, now they, they're, they'd they have to win out to, to get back to 13 again. And we we know that's probably not going to happen. The defense hasn't been perfect. Um, they're still really struggling on the ground um, and allows teams to kind of set things up, play action game. And then on offense, though, it's, Depending on who you ask, it's an issue with the offensive line, with the injuries, with the young receivers, with not giving enough carries to Aaron Jones, who looked fantastic in the few touches he got. Um, You do feel like uh, there are some missed opportunities. All sorts of people on on NFL Twitter posting clips of the all 22 of just, just misread routes and different things where it's like, there's times where we think Aaron Rodgers is is making some bad throws, but uh, you look at the little uh, deeper into what the defense is doing and you're seeing that some of these younger receivers just aren't quite up to speed with uh, some of the adjustments they need to make based on the coverage. And it has put them in a place where, yeah, I think the combined record it was in Peter King's article, yeah, 15 and 36 last year between the Giants, Jets, and commanders. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously those teams, like you mentioned, especially the Giants and Jets as we've talked about are in a much better place this season, but nonetheless, I mean, that's, that had to be a stretch of the schedule that you looked at as a Packers fan. And overall, the Packers, I think, projected going into the year had one of the easier schedules. Now, I, I mean, you're not even overly worried about what what happens to the division. Long way to go to see what goes on with the Vikings, and they're on a bye, obviously, this week. But they're sitting at 5-1. and one. Can't really worry overly about that. You just need to figure out your own problems. Uh, Aaron Rodgers sounded pretty confident in their ability to overcome those things. But And I still think over the course of the year, they're a team that once you get to the playoffs, I'd probably not you one you want to face necessarily. But... Yeah, uh, uh, the panic button has been pushed for sure uh, by that fan base and I understand along with the team, I know we're going to talk about in a sec, I mean, t- the, the Buccaneers and them, it's just both the teams at this point, just we expected so much, we, we maybe you get a little complacent with the the greatness of these, uh, with, with what Brady did in his first years in Tampa and what the Packers have done in the uh, in the LaFleur era it's just, it's not easy to just continue going at that same rate, especially mm-hmm. when you lose a guy like Devontae and Um, Hopefully some of these younger receivers figure it out because otherwise, man, it's going to be it's kind of a brutal spot right now. But I I still have faith in the Packers to figure it out. But what what does figuring out really mean? I don't know what their ceiling is at this point. It might be in the NFC a little higher than if they were in the AFC. I'd have maybe bigger uh, concerns, but they still have time to figure it out with a schedule that isn't uh, up there with the toughest in the league.
0: Well, that sound you hear is the panic button not going anywhere because uh, it's actually headed to Tampa because the yeah. the Panthers get a 21-3 to win over the Bucks. The Bucks were 13-point favorites in this game, I think, Dylan, was what the number got to. When we did it, it was 11. 13-point favorites here and not even close. I mean, this was just... I mean we all know I picked the bucks to, to win the Super Bowl my Super Bowl picks right now the, the most <laughs> the worst Super Bowl pick in the history of picks um between the bucks and the team we're going to get to here in a few minutes um they just look bad I mean they could do nothing. I thought that, that Brady come I thought they would shred this this Panthers defense and you know I thought the Panthers offense would struggle without Christian McCaffrey, but it's like it was complete opposite what a what a mess there for um the bucks.
1: They still put up a decent yard total if Mike Evans doesn't drop the ball they almost have no, yeah. yards in the day but I mean they were a combined third and fourth down three for 16 I mean that's just not Oof. gonna they the Panthers defense had a, a lot of answers I don't know if the Bucks were tipping the plays. I know they've had issues with their offensive line, but, I mean, it looked like at times in the passing game the Panthers were just blanketing the receiver. Like, they knew where the guys were going, mm-hmm. and that, that makes it really hard <laughs> for an offense to figure out how to move the ball down the field. But it is probably the worst. I mean, def- not even probably. It's definitely the worst offensive line situation that Tom's dealt with since he moved on to Tampa uh, I wouldn't say, or maybe it's even worse than his last year in New England, where they had some struggles, and when they, especially when they lost those last couple games to the Dolphins, and then the last game in the playoffs to the Titans, of his uh, Brady's uh, New England career. But it was, I mean, these games, it, they just, this is the NFL though. These these games kind of one or two of these every year we we get where it's just like you feel like it's a sure thing. Next thing you know, a team just gets thumped. Uh, the Panthers still have a lot of pride. Uh, how they played really well, and the defense has been for large portions of the year pretty solid um they've had some pick sixes and different things we've talked about but i mean the bigger surprise i think was what carolina's offense at times was able to do pj walker had a really nice touchdown pass but the story was obviously both foreman and and hubbard just going off on the ground against a bucks defense that has prided itself over the years of being one of the top run defenses especially the last two years so it's uh I, i think it almost my I don't know if I had to say like if I'm more concerned about Tampa or the Packers I might be a little more concerned about Tampa because I don't know at this point of what guys especially in this on this game on this field on Sunday like they're not missing some key pieces that I think like really could help like moving forward like guys that are injured that they're they're most of them that are we're not playing on Sunday are not going to come back so you're not you can't look forward to them coming back at some point to help you out on that offensive line and um, and on defense, and some of the guys they've lost in free agency are just going to be really hard. We, you know, they ran it back with all their starters from the Super Bowl defense last year. They were not going to be able to do that again going into this season. And yeah, it's just, it's led to a really stagnant offense that I think it's like 20 some odd drives. They have one touchdown uh, over the mm-hmm. last 20 something drives for Tampa's. Uh, and, and man, it's a team. I, we were just mentioning, you mentioned the three teams the Packers just lost to. Um, I mean, to lose back to back to the Steelers and Panthers with what we've seen from Pittsburgh. Um, It's brutal, Um, and it's not going to get easier for them over the next couple weeks to get the Ravens and Rams and Seahawks, given what Seattle's done. So... I uh, maybe, maybe it was giving too much credit for the Packers' schedule. Uh, maybe it was they've already played the easiest part. They do have the Bills coming up. They, they do have the Cowboys coming up and the Eagles coming up over their next five games for Green Bay. So I think you can sound the alarms for both teams, like you mentioned. But I, I personally, in terms of the, just the quality of what – I don't see as many answers quickly for Tampa. I hope they find them. Um, it's a lot of fun when this team is in the mix, and I still think they can be. But right now it, it, it looks like a unit that – I don't know. On, on, it's – It's especially that offense that I have really big concerns about over the course of the year. Are they going to be able to come into things? Leonard Fournette doesn't look the same, but it's also the offensive line itself. So just a lot of question marks, and I don't know how much they can really address at the trade deadline. They might try. Uh, We have that coming up, so maybe they'll try to make some moves to address some of those problems.
0: Ravens 23, Browns 20. Uh, This was a pretty entertaining game. Um, The Ravens, uh, you know, I mean, I think the Gus Edwards, you know, kind of establishing himself now with, like we talked about with the Dobbins injury before, and um, you know, able to, to give them a couple touchdowns. And I think just having that rushing attack outside of Lamar Jackson, who didn't have his best game from passing performance, only no. was nine of sixteen, 120 yards. Um, yeah, it was not his best game throwing, but to have Gus Edwards back clearly gave them a boost in the running game. Um, It's like, you know, kind of at this point, Devin DuVernay is going to make a play somewhere. And I think that the kick return, I think he was able to kind of put them in a position there um, with that one. Uh, On the flip side, I think losing Njoku for several weeks is a bit of a blow to this um, passing offense for the Browns because he's been really good this season, but pretty good game here. But uh, the, the result was kind of what you expected.
1: Yeah, it's kind of the theme of this Brown season. They now have four losses by three or less points, where yeah. you feel like it's definitely within uh, within reach to win. I mean, they have that pass interference call on Amari Cooper. It looked like he shoved off. Some fans might disagree and say that that happens more often when it doesn't get called. And then they have the, the whole false start offsides debacle. But despite all that, uh, you're still asking the, the kicker to to make a 50-some-odd 56-yard kick in a pressure situation. I know he hit that one early in the season to beat Carolina. But um, it's it's just kind of that they've struggled to finish. And it's, it's tough because at times, Persett looks solid. that Nick Chubb looks great. Offensive line solid. But things have not come together overall. And the defense, even when it has a better performance, there's still some moments where they're lacking. And uh, the Ravens were able to sustain some drives and at least kind of shorten the game there in the second half to limit the, the Browns' chances. So uh, a result that, like you said, was expected, but it didn't come in the way. Necessarily, I thought it might. I thought I thought Baltimore would have an easier time, and maybe a team that also uh, they're like the new Vikings in terms of they always are playing these one score games every week, is a uh, uh, comes down right to the wire, and it's stressful for that fan base. And maybe they'll figure some things out. A big Thursday night game should be fun to watch between them and Tampa coming up for both teams in their direction this year. But um, yeah, I mean, still big for the Ravens to come away with the victory in a division where uh, you know there's still a chance they split with the with the Bengals, and that division record ends up being the, the separating factor. So. important to to win this game for them Um, and you know for all the really close losses where we feel like they should have won I mean this one could have swung either way it's probably deserving for Baltimore to to find a way to get a victory um, even when they're not at their best and that's that's the thing about what the Ravens have put on the field you don't feel like they've put their best effort as a whole unit together maybe another team that um, at the pass rush maybe they have some things they can address at the trade deadline Uh, but overall I think still or you know it's compared to past years maybe it's also the defense is getting better maybe the scheme is getting better and catching up to the offenses overall across the league but here we are in almost in November you feel like wins, there's got to be a time when this offense clicks and isn't just efficient for one half or efficient here and there you still feel like they have a capability to be a really good unit um, over the course here whereas the Browns uh, they they already this is their easy part of the schedule. We talked about it going into the season. I now at this point I don't know what your direction is or if you're looking for more ahead to next season already, and just making sure Deshaun's in the best place possible when he comes back to kind of build blocks for next season because it the schedule gets a lot tougher for Cleveland and it's rough because you feel like they if little balls bounce a little bit differently, a little a few different things happen. This is a team that's at least at four and three and feels like they're right in the mix. Instead of two and five in the AFC, you might be toast. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, I think so. You compare the two conferences. Uh, yeah, we kind of know which way you're leaning there. Um, Raiders 38, Texans 20. I, you know, the only thing I guess you take away from this game is that if you played Josh Jacobs in fantasy, um, this guy right here, not, not good not good dylan if, if he was on the opposing team you were in trouble um and that's what happened to me that i got i got jacobs this week uh in fantasy uh 20 carries 143 yards three touchdowns um you know i think this game the raiders did what they had to do obviously they scored 21 in the fourth quarter um to mm-hmm. win the game but i still think you know it's pretty clear i think the raiders were going to find a way to win this one and again that fourth quarter was huge to to catapult into a victory here
1: yeah, they took care of business in the second half. They started really slow, um, but they could afford to in this game against the Texans team that uh, maybe even lacking more of a punch than they offered last season. It feels like in the early going, given how they were able to compete with some of these teams that they played. I thought Derek Carr looked fine, not great, but nonetheless was able to get the, the offense moving. Looked better on third down overall, but I, yeah, like you said, the story is Josh Jacobs. He's among the high volume. Running backs. He's got to be one of the better guys in terms of his average efficiency and his uh, things that you know. I know he's had fumble issues in the past, but overall, looking better there. Over expectation yards, all those kind of numbers are in his favor. He's having a fantastic season. Um, Some discussion. I think Josina Anderson was tweeting about possible extension for him because I believe they declined their his option before the year. Be interesting to see where that goes. But he, you, you do see how much it sets up the passing game when, when you're able to run the ball like that for every any team but especially with the Raiders and how they're currently constructed with an offensive line that has some deficiencies you slow down that pass rush when you're able to run like that so I'm um, excited to see what they can continue to do we talked about it if, uh, after they started off really slow we felt like they're a lot better than their record indicated that was some of the, uh, the near close calls um, to the Cardinals and the and the loss of the Chiefs even so uh I, th- I think the raiders you know it's, it's two and four still tough going for a playoff spot there's a long season left but you do feel like they're starting to find something and click and at least you know it's only you can only play who's in front of you and the texans um we always talk about the the great teams really in a dump not demolishing always but at least comfortably beating the the weaker opponents are supposed to be in their schedule and that's what the raiders even after a slow start and ultimately did with this 18 point win
0: well panic button returns um <laughs> The Chargers, uh, next up in the panic button line here, uh, the Seahawks, 37, Chargers, 23. I wish Dylan now. You remember, I mean, I, got, I still got my yeah. upset pick right, but I was like, I, I think I'm going to pick the Seahawks. I didn't wind up doing it, um, but I should have because we, yeah. we could have seen it coming with this one, I think. Um, obviously, significant injury news on the Chargers side with J.C. Jackson, um, but, you know, again, the, the story here, is that this was just like this was a chargers game and i I hate to say that but like this is what it was kenneth walker 168 yards on the ground two touchdowns i had a 74 yard score in there i mean it's just i don't know what you say man it's just like it's just not happening for this chargers team and meanwhile give the seahawks all the credit in the world Everyone spent the entire offseason talking about how no russ we said this could be one of the worst teams in the nfl man they are four and three right now they are currently the leader in the clubhouse in the nfc west and it's just it's just wow to think about how that's happened
1: and it doesn't feel like it's going to stop, at least for the offense. I still overall with this team, uh, you know how I don't know how far they can go because the defense, I still think it needs a more retooling and more time, as we knew with what some of the guys they let go and how they've worked on that unit. But the offense, I think it's sustainable. Uh, I don't and we're, we're in the midpoint of the season almost. And Gino is putting up these kind of games routinely. He looks just ridiculously accurate uh in all parts of the field he's the reads are great every the way that the running game's working obviously kenneth walker with his best performance as a pro um, against a charger defense that was built um to try to address their issues with their run defense and i know this is a team that has been struck again by with the injury bug you mentioned jason yeah. jackson they had mike williams go down already this year they lose two two and you know key pieces in joey Bosa and rashawn slater um, you have Corey Linsley that's been out uh, with some issues with his knee and other things. And obviously Justin Herbert with the hit he took in week two. So I, it's a snake bitten team. But at the same time, that's, that's kind of the risk when you have a team that is built with these pillar players that you really it's not the same as the Rams structure. But in terms of you, you have to have these guys on the field uh, to succeed and, and other players are meant to complement them. Obviously, losing JC Jackson, like you mentioned, he already wasn't playing up to the, the you know, the, you know the potential that we thought he might have going into the year finally gets back into you know looking a little more like himself and then that happens is brutal but um i think the story as much as the chargers are disappointing it is like you said it's about the seahawks is about this offense it's about offensive line that Uh, has you know taken they look pretty determined to to prove their doubters wrong and obviously it's a whole group that has with what Gino's done with his coaching staff and everyone so they're playing with house money right now no one had expectations for this team outside of maybe that building and their fan base Uh, but even for their fan base I have to believe that they're playing beyond what uh, they'd expected if you're a Seattle fan you're just enjoying the ride right now and feeling like maybe there is a chance that Gino is the guy given you know he really has been around for so long but he hasn't only gotten so many opportunities and like how quickly was he going to make things work with what those Jets teams early in his career so I uh, instead of you know a lot of players would have uh, just kind of gotten comfortable maybe as, as being the backup and having that you know that role being there and not really working on improving it. it really feels like Gino we saw it in the in his limited stint last year after Russell Wilson got hurt uh, I was worried about the Rams defense when he came in and looked like Peyton Manning at first, but uh, maybe it wasn't so much about uh, their deficiencies, more more about his preparation and what he's become as a quarterback. I'm uh, still mad that I haven't I didn't pick him up in fantasy at the right moment because I mean Damn. now it's like you can't even you can just start him. I think you might have mentioned this last week. You can just put plug him in to start and you feel good about it. You're not even yeah. thinking about it anymore. That's how that's where the level he's at. Yeah. Hopefully DK's okay. I know they said he'd, uh, some of the X-rays mm-hmm. look fine on his injury, but. Um, and they get it back, but yeah, this is an explosive team, uh, and that offense, no matter what the defense looks like, it's going to be fun to watch Seahawks games. There's probably going to be a lot of high-scoring affairs like this.
0: And there's the Dolphins, who get a 16-10 to win over the Steelers. Um, this was an entertaining game in the first half. Second half, uh, a little head-scratching, I think, at times <laughs> for the Dolphins offensively, but or actually on both sides offensively, but I think if you're watching it, um, the way Tua and company started that game, you're thinking, boy, they could put up some points here, but Again, Dylan, I don't want to – I'm not – I'm doing this podcast with you and not on the NFL sidelines for a reason, but um, some of the things – I think NFL coaches just make it a little complicated sometimes, in my opinion. I thought the Dolphins did that a little bit in the second half of that game. Um, But they get the win here, and, again, Tua's back. Uh, Clearly this offense can get rolling, I think, when he's there just because of what you have with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, Mostert, I thought, looked pretty good in this game. He ran the ball very effectively um uh, on the flip side i think it's just the steelers are just going through the growing pains right um kenny pickett three interceptions and this is what i think you're going to get with the steelers team uh this you know the rest of the way is just you're going to have these ups and downs offensively their defense may be able to keep them in some of these games but i just think you're gonna you're gonna struggle a bit offensively at times
1: yeah they had opportunities there at the end and Kenny Pickett, uh, not so not so unlike uh, our, our friend that we were just talking about, Taylor Heineke, in terms of making throws that he thinks he can make that maybe he yeah. shouldn't, and that led that leads to some of these interceptions. And the Dolphins made him pay. It's an opportunity. We've talked about this defense that hasn't ranked insanely high over the course of the year so far, but they are they force a lot of turnovers. They bring a lot of pressure. They. Like to simulate pressure too, and and confuse uh, guys by taking away some of the more intermediate routes, and it forced Pickett in a few cases to try to be a, play a little bit of hero ball, and, and it ended up biting them, especially those last two interceptions where they had a chance to take the lead late. So I mean, good good adjustments by the Steelers defense in the second half. I do think two in the offense looked a little rusty over the course of the game. They had that great first drive, the opening script, where they get the touchdown with on um, that little swing pass to, the, to Mostert, but. Overall, I mean, yeah, they settled for field goals. They moved the ball at times, but it wasn't just consistent drive-to-drive. So a few things missing here and there, but that has to be partially because Tua wasn't only not playing. He wasn't practicing uh, the last yeah. few weeks. So I, I think they'll be fine. It's going to have to take a little time to retool there, but it, big for them to get this win because, you know, they lost all those games in a row uh, after the hot start, started having a little bit of concerns. I still think the Dolphins are going to be a factor because I do feel like if Tua's on the field not taking hits, as he talked about, trying to not uh, – Uh, go into contact like he like he did early in that game took another big hit luckily not to the head so much so um limit those things like you said with most he looks solid i think this offensive line and and that running game and their, their attack there i do trust that they'll figure things out but like you said getting a little too complicated the decision to to not kick that field goal late some of the the play calls even on the fourth down when they did go for it um just some concerning things because, yes, you want to be aggressive, but it is selective, especially when your defense is playing as well as they were. And I thought the Dolphins defense, I, you know, mentioned the Steelers defense making adjustments. I thought the Dolphins defense as well, because the last two drives of the first half, Steelers were figuring some things out, getting some openings and finding a way to move the ball. Second half did not happen. Uh, they, they, yeah. they looked much better. Um, so I feel pretty good about where Miami's at at this point. And like you said, for the Steelers, it's just going to be growing pains. It's kind of the nature of it uh, a lot of time. And, but I think it's good that Pickett's in there. They look like a, a team that has more of a direction when he's out there, even if it's not always pretty. Um, yeah, I feel like these are necessary things for his development at this stage. And they're only going to have a learning experience playing a defense with as many varied looks as Miami's.
0: All right. Uh, there are your games for the week. Now on to a couple things before we wrap up. Wrap up. Uh, Dylan, our stock up, stock down. Um, I, mean, I think our stock down is pretty obvious in, in several instances uh, in terms of some of these teams we've talked about. Um, but I know stock up, we've kind of talked about the Seahawks and Geno and company. Uh, who else do we have on our list this week?
1: Yeah, Geno and the Seahawks have had to be number one. I know our stock was already higher on that offense. Um, it should even be more Seattle's offense than anything. But they're already high, but it took it to a different level what they just did to the Chargers. I know we have seen teams like the Jaguars do that against the Chargers already this year. But I, I think that was, uh, they had to deserve some praise for that. I think the Bengals often took some big strides in terms of, we, we talked about in that segment as well. They looked just, the approach was very different. They, they really varied more, just way more of spreading things out. Uh, than they were early in the year. I know Joe was getting hit a lot early in the season and at times it looked like he was even mouthing to the sideline like to go out of empty but that's when they're at their best and when he gets the ball up quick and those openings are there it's just hard to compete with the talent level across that Uh, whole pass catching group. Even Hayden Hurst gets seven, I think seven or eight targets in this one pretty balanced share of targets between Boyd Chase and Higgins and Um, You look how lethal they can be, and I know against the Falcons defense that overall maybe not great, but still has looked better this year. Um, Stock further up for the New York teams, it was already higher, but I think with the Giants in particular, with the way that they've found ways to win, I mean, it's not so much at this point I'm thinking they're just getting lucky. I know I still mentioned that they're probably, DVOA-wise, going to be more in the middle of the pack, but – um i think i i i do believe in brian dable i need that's probably a shirt i imagine that's already out there but if not then we should get one because uh, (laughs) how he's turned around that whole approach the whole the feeling about the giants organization and how that fan base feels um it's pretty awesome and then also with the 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 offensive line for the seahawks um playing well i think kenneth walker obviously his coming out party um performance he made it kind of looked like that michigan michigan state game last year where he was running all over that defense he was he did that up to a few teams uh, that I wouldn't want to compare the Chargers to I think it was Northwestern Rutgers if I remember correctly but uh, I mean Kenneth looked I don't know the, I the
0: Chargers are kind of a Northwestern team like that's it's <laughs> that, not really
1: that off I not guess not just because so. they have yeah. Rayshon Slater but yeah, yeah. Um, no. I, I think Kenneth looked I mean along with unfortunately as we talked about the Brees Hall injury but I think those two we had high expectations for both of them but I think they both uh, and hopefully Hall comes back fully healthy next year but Kenneth definitely looks like um they found their their number one guy for a long time in seattle yeah i
0: think so too so um yeah i I think that's you know you kind of look at that and like we said with the down group i mean the the packers the bucks um we talked about the lions offense earlier just i said at one point i thought jared goff could be a set and forget a quarterback uh not with some of these (laughs) recent matchups uh to say the least so
1: it's kind of like there was a point where Kirk Cousins, we talked about him uh, as a guy that you just looked at the matchup in fantasy and you knew for sure he was going to have a big day if he was playing like a bottom half defensive. If he's playing a top yeah. 10 defense, you'd sit him. I mean, I think maybe you're still at a point with Goff or maybe you wait to see him come back again with another high, uh, good, a solid performance against a better or yeah. even like a, a worse defense. Um, but, yeah, I put them obviously there with – putting up six points the last two weeks, again, or two games uh, with a buy between um, the Packers and Bucks. Obviously, we already had the stock kind of a little bit lower with the way that Tampa had lost to, to the was the week before and the way the Packers have looked in that Jets game in particular, even the Giants' loss. Uh, you could have you know, counted that as being a little bit of bad luck, but the way they got thoroughly, you know, only putting up 10 points against the Jets and having – some of the same special teams issues. they already down, da- the was already down, but it's further down right now. They're gonna have to earn our trust probably back for, I'm, I'm not gonna be putting either of those teams in the betting locks for a while. I know I early in the season had them a few times and hasn't worked out. And even I put the, I put the 49, I wrote down the 49ers defense a little bit. Uh, I want to say that they're gonna, I think they'll bounce back fine, but it is now back to back games where you're starting to see, and I know it's injury based, and uh, but some of these guys aren't coming back with Mosley. So, um, I, it's just a team that I, I still feel really good about. The Niners have, uh, you know, I did pick them to win the division over the Rams here. Uh, obviously Seattle right now in first place, but uh, I still just have concerns a bit about uh, not so much when they play the Rams again next week. i probably, <laughs> they'll probably find a way to have another great performance in that one that, with the matchup and how they've gone over the course. Of the, but over the course of the year, I'm not, this is the first good team they've lost to. I mean, they've gotten beat up by some pretty bad or some games to teams like Denver, teams like Obviously we've been impressed with the Falcons did uh, going back to the loss of the bears in week one. So, I mean, those have been some close losses, but you're sitting at three and four feeling like, all right, the offense maybe is going to figure some things out as they get healthier. And, with uh, the openings and as McCaffrey gets the playbook down, I I think that offense could take off. Now the question, it seemed, in the, it was like early in the year, it was flipped to like where the Niners defense was going to carry this team. Now I'm, I maybe have a few more questions. Maybe this is, maybe I'm overreacting to or just the Chiefs performance as one that, again, we mentioned was one of the best DVOA offensive games of the last 20 some odd years. Um, but I still think the Niners defense maybe just has a few more cracks, mostly injury-based. I don't think this is any indictment on, the individuals they have in D'Amico Ryans. Um, I just don't, I wonder if they can overcome those. And if maybe as much as uh, McCaffrey could end up being an absolute superstar in this offense, you wonder if maybe the – if they were going to address some things, um, maybe the offensive line and, and some of the issues on their defense might have been where you may have thought to spend that draft capital uh, instead.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I think they're an interesting team moving forward. Um, you know, obviously have the potential to get where they want to go, but um, we'll see if the injuries – maybe hold them back a little bit uh, there. All right. Let's look quickly at our uh, fantasy waiver wire pickups for the week. Um, For me, Dylan, I think Gus Edwards is right there near the top. Um, Certainly an option. I think Dante Foreman, another one is good. The only issue I have with that maybe is seeing, you know, what that split looks like for the Panthers moving forward with Foreman and Hubbard. But I think both are good options. If you want to look at them, um, you know, Algier scored a touchdown for the Falcons another good option um beyond that i don't know it's not a not a great waiver wire week but again your teams are kind of set at this point in the season
1: yeah i think it's more figuring out guys to fill in for for bye weeks hopefully you don't have half your team out like i did with a lot of vikings and uh, <laughs> and uh, eagles players this past week but um. I yeah. Like you said, with Foreman and Hubbard, figuring out who's going to get the line share those carries. I still think there could be some value there because it's a team that's going to have to run the ball to be successful. Um, I don't. We, we've seen at times the passing game has had its own issues. So, um, and if also with Algier, with uh, as long as Patterson's out, I, I would consider him as a depending on if you have a guy in a bye week and you need to fill in at running back or in your flex especially in standard leagues. Um, didn't, I don't know if he had any targets uh, receiving-wise, but he, he was a starting back um, and looked pretty solid. And you mentioned Gus Edwards earlier and how good he looked, and uh, we'll see what happens over the course of the year uh, with him and Drake. But I think definitely an option. Um, there, I, I mentioned Khalil Herbert in here just because his, his ownership has dropped below 50%. I know right now with David Montgomery uh, and that offense overall struggling so much, it's, it's tough to have him, but I, still would, I would still keep him around because we've seen Montgomery with his usage rate get banged up a little bit. I still think Herbert's going to have an opportunity there. Um, Receiving-wise, Paris Campbell's targets up to, I think, 12 this past week with the Colts. I know we have concerns over the Colts overall, but if you really are short on receiving depth, I think at least you can count on him getting – A good short share of uh, targets. Greg Dolshitz, the tight end from UCLA uh, with with the Broncos the last few weeks. I I think he's going to still have that six to seven, eight uh, targets per game. Even Evan Ingram there with the Jaguars, he's owned in only 33-point 33.4% 33.4% of leagues, um, I, you know, these aren't going to be their star tight ends, but there's only so many. If you look at the depth of the tight end scoring across fantasy football, it is not great. So I and, and it's been really as kind of a spread out group. So it's all about finding guys. You just feel comfortable at least, even if they're not going to be scoring touchdowns, at least they're going to be getting some targets and have a chance to get that red zone uh, TD. So those are two guys on uh, the tight end spot. I'm keeping a better eye on.
0: Action in Week Seven, Dylan. Of course, a lot of stuff going up over Clutch Points. uh, So let everybody know where they can find all that.
1: Yeah, you can go to ClutchPoints.com to our NFL section. We'll have our waiver wires article along with this podcast up tomorrow with more insight on all the players. You should be picking up there. A lot of still fallout from the the games this past weekend, and looking ahead, we'll have in the Clutch Points app obviously all the Week Eight games. You can follow the World Series, go Phillies. Um, You got the. Uh, NBA action obviously in the Clutch Points app. So lots of stuff in there. We'll, we're we're going to start re, uh, pretty soon having our power rankings uh, for the NFL kind of featured in the app in a, in a different way. So some fun stuff going on there. Um, and yeah, lots of fantasy stock up, stock down stuff we'll have in the middle of the week. So all that you can find at clutchpoints.com in the NFL section if you search fantasy sports.
0: Yep, check it all out there. And as always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, any podcast app you search for stabs Fast. Thanks as always for listening to the podcast. And we'll talk to you next time on the Established Fast podcast.